You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad and we are at Kylemore Abbey in the heart of Connemara and Jessica Ridge who is the marketing manager at Kylemore is here with me. Jessica, a pleasure to meet you and thanks a million. Great to have you here Austin, thank you for coming to Kylemore. The Abbey is open obviously. The Abbey is open to visitors, obviously we've had um, a few difficult months now, we've been closed for eight months but we reopened at the start of June and the full estate is open so that's the 1000 acre estate that takes in the Abbey experience itself. Um, we can't do tours inside at the moment but we can do our history talks outdoors so we do four times a day we do outdoor history talks and the neo-gothic church is open and the victorian wall garden is open as well as our brand new woodland trails and tales and jessica when when it comes to people coming here there is online booking and i know that is preferable but in the event that somebody happens to be driving past sees the abbey and says i'm going in there there is walk up there is walk up yeah and we encourage any type we do um ask for the online booking pretty much just so we can monitor our numbers here particularly with COVID so we can keep an eye on how many people are coming through the door at any one time but yes we have a lot of people who pass the bridge and they see the abbey and they think I have to see that up close and so we encourage that up. I would take it you're getting less buses casual footfall is more likely not to cause a problem. Exactly yeah so typically during the summers we would have around 50% of our guests would come on buses so that hasn't happened last year or this year and hopefully it will return when international travel does return but at the moment it's great to see all the Irish visitors coming in as well. A lot of them haven't been to Kylemore since they were kids on their school tours. So um, it's great to welcome them back to and, and come to the door. The Abbey is uh, the uh, property and, and the domain of the Benedictine Order and yes. the nuns and they're still here. We do. We still have a strong order of 12 Benedictine nuns here at the moment and um, they reside just across the road in the farmhouse but they still work, live and pray here in the Abbey as well. So they have Mass twice a day which is also available on their webcam. Okay. You can see that on our website if you're if you're looking from abroad, and um, yeah, they're very much the head of the operation here, you know, and and they their ethos informs everything we do. So their ethos of hospitality, of education, um, it's a big part of what we do here, and also the serenity, I suppose, of the estate is kind of is granted to us by them and and by the beautiful setting of of Cranmore. And Jessica, I know in the heyday the nuns there would have been sufficient members of the order that they would have run and managed the estate themselves predominantly with some help but times have changed so there's a greater reliance on delay folks so you you guys would have a fair staff at this stage we do so during the summer months we have around 100 members of staff so it's one of the biggest private employers in um, the Connemara region which is is great locally and you'll find as you go through the estate and you're talking to the various staff members that many of them have generations of history themselves with Kylemore so maybe they went to school here or their parents went to school here um, and they would have lived on the estate or have generations of fathers, grandfathers, mothers, grandmothers that worked on the estate down through the years as well so there's a great local knowledge and a local investment and, and interest in Kylemore. And you mentioned as a school so it was a boarding school and for far and wide but also a local school so you mentioned they had the local connection but it would have been a girls boarding school. It was yeah it was a girls boarding school for day girls as you mentioned so yeah. the girls from the local community and also an international boarding school so we've had people from all over the world come to school here. And of course for any place like this what is a tremendous resource is the alumni the alumni are the ones that help generate the, the continuity Exactly, yeah, and we have a, we have a great, um, great group of alumni online and on Facebook and that, and they have a great um, 
community going there and we actually last year was 2020 it would have been the Benedictine centenary they would have been here 100 years and we had planned a big reunion of all the girls to come back for that yeah. unfortunately it couldn't go ahead but hopefully maybe next year we'll get that and um, and we had planned on, on thousands of girls arriving in Ireland to, to come here you're not an alumni yourself I am yeah. yeah yeah I was here I was the year before we closed I was one of those last few people um, in Cogmore which is great and my mother went to school here as well and stuff so right. it's right. yeah like that it's the history of the, the ground floor of the Abbey is open to, to visitors and it, what you're seeing is a, a building that was built so it was built in 1867 by right. Mr Henry he was um, a wealthy Manx Union he was a surgeon and later he became an MP for the Galway region and he built the castle as, um, as a love token pretty much to his wife who was Irish and he considered himself Irish as well um, they were very affected by the, the plight of the local people when they came here it was just post famine the first time they came here and they saw how difficult everything was for the people so they wanted to provide an area of employment and of innovation and you know they tried a lot of different gardening methods and that in our Victorian wall gardens so that they could then teach it to the locals so that was that was their intention and the story now is told in the Abbey so we're very fortunate a couple of years ago we worked at Fulch Ireland and upgraded the experience so the old rooms have been restored to their kind of original Victorian splendour yeah. and some of the other rooms have more um, modern multimedia interpretation in them that kind of tells the story of the Mitchell Henrys of the Manchesters the Duke and Duchess who were here after them and then of the past 100 years of history of the Benedictine nuns here and also the future plans of the nuns here and how they hope to continue to develop more. One of the things I'm looking forward to seeing and fascinated with is the wall garden because mm-hmm. the topography around here and the terrain and the land around here is quite challenging so that yeah. that in itself is a feat. Yeah, no, it didn't lend itself really no. to be a Victorian wall garden at all but um, like that Mitchell Henry he brought in all the best engineers to try and engineer a way of making it work and to try all the different farming planting methods and our garden there at the moment is around six acres and inside it it's still all heritage plants so our garden team have the hard job every winter of planting all of these plants by hand of sourcing all of the Victorian seeds so everything in there is a variety from before 1901 right. basically so and yeah in, now when you go into two of our glass houses are restored originally there would have been 21 they fell to ruin over the years after Mitchell Henry himself had left and before the nuns had arrived but you can see all of the workings of what made the glass houses and what made things like bananas grow in Connemara in Victorian times which right. is kind of phenomenal yes. so you can see that all there now and our, our garden staff are there and they're always happy to answer the questions so from a, an enthusiastic gardener particularly yes. this, this is a, a oasis literally it is yeah and I think some people come to Kylemore and they see the castle and they don't realise that they can either take the short walk or hop on the shuttle bus and see this incredible Victorian garden. And particularly given that in the indoor environment you need to put your mask on but if you want that experience of being able to walk free and enjoy everything the gardens are providing that as well. They are, yeah and and during the summer it's a lovely warm balmy atmosphere in there from the red brick, it it gives out the heat and and as well as that we've also added walks and trails so we have almost four kilometres of new trails on the estate which is taking you into parts that weren't open previously and um, taking through old fields down by the river the Davros River which is of huge ecological importance right. and there's interpretive signage along that that explains 
that importance and it also explains the folklore that goes with all of the wildlife of this area which is really interesting for people you know you can kind of look up the history online but these tell the story and the local stories that go with it somebody really wants to appreciate this experience how much time should they set aside yeah we say a minimum of three hours for Kylemore but really you could be here up to six hours right. so three hours will get you the abbey and maybe one other part of the experience but if you wanted to come here and do the abbey the gardens the neo-gothic church the walks and have a cup of tea and and maybe a browse around the shop really you're looking at about six hours and that would be taking it at your leisure doing the walks you want to do or using the shuttle bus when you wanted to use it yeah so in other words don't kind of decide you're heading out from Galway and you're going to be back in Galway for lunch no, no, we wouldn't, we wouldn't advise that. And as well as that, with people who are making the journey here, sometimes they underestimate how beautiful the drive is. Yes. And so they budget an hour or an hour and a half to come out, but they don't realise they're going to be stopping five or yeah. six times no, we to stopped, take pictures. Yeah, we stopped yeah. five or six times along the way to take yeah. pictures. So uh, we're now here at the start of the season, and gradually the country is opening up, and as you say, you're starting to see more and more Irish people coming here, which must be very satisfying, very fulfilling also. It is, and it's great, and it's also great to kind of share that history, the Irish history with people that maybe they don't recognise in Kyle Moore, they kind of see it as a as a wealthy English landlord and that type of story but there's so much local history in the place as well so it's great to be able to share that. Ireland is very fortunate to have so many gorgeous places to visit and I think during the lockdown and as people can't travel abroad they're only now really getting to appreciate that and I know myself I mean I've lived here all my life and I'm still finding beaches I didn't know existed yeah. so and it's one of those things or even walking trails and that and, and we're very lucky that Tourism Ireland and, and Falter Ireland are putting so much effort into opening these walks for people and opening areas and we're right beside the Connemara National Park here as well so there's an abundance of trails and walks to take in there and it's just so beautiful and it's like so as Connemara we're very very fortunate we have the mountains we have the lakes we have the sea with the wild Atlantic way so it's, it's all kind of coming together in this one part of Ireland I'm sure it's very easy for anyone to find you online just Kyle Moore and it pops up even yeah. when you soon you put that in Google would recommend you do your purchase online uh, you are mm -hmm. on Facebook we Instagram, are. YouTube, all the social media outlets. All the channels, yeah, we're there in all of them. And we have a brand new website, com. So you'll find all the information and some of the history there as well. Jessica Ridge, thanks a million for taking the time. It's been great meeting you and having a chat. And I'm looking forward to heading into the Abbey. Thank you so much, Austin. Thank you for coming out. Here is uh, Canmore Abbey. We've um, had the opportunity to walk through the, the main house. Stunning, 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 fantastic memorabilia and, and antiques. And I've come down to the church and I'll have a chat with Tim Heenu here who's part of the staff team thanks William for very green to have a chat oh, my pleasure the artifacts that are up in the main house yeah the nuns obviously recognised that these are tremendous value from the beginning to protect them they did indeed yeah um, well, I suppose they were very lucky with, with a certain amount of the, the artifacts especially from the, the time of the Henry family here that uh, between the, the nuns and, and ever since we've kept in touch with the, with the family and a certain yeah. amount of those artifacts have been donated back to the estate over time from extended members of the Henry family uh, especially from Florence Henry she was the only member of the Mitchell's children who remained locally here in the area uh, she lived up until the, the 50s but she had no family uh, so in her will she left a lot of uh, pieces of the, the family history back to the nuns here in mm -hmm. her will uh, including there's a, a lovely portrait of Margaret Henry in the, in the drawing room uh, and that had been left back to the estate in, in Florence's will so we're very grateful for her uh, and for indeed other members of the extended family around the world for being generous with their family history and, uh, and allowing us to showcase it here in Cornwall.
more. And when you say showcase, some of the things that are fascinating in there is the interest was in fishing and in mm -hmm. photography and yeah. the taxidermy, some of the, the yeah. things that are around on the walls and the butterflies. Yes, yeah, yeah. They must come from all over the world. They do, yeah. I suppose we're quite lucky in the, the, the Henry family themselves with the, the nine children that they all had their own kind of specific interests and, you know, it kind of allows us to explore their interests now further on because it, it means it's more about the estate we can talk about whether it's Alexander with his photography and also with the, the fire the fire department he set up here as well um, with the, the fishing aspects as well kind of really personified through Lorenzo who you know as well as being interested in us he was um, he was a real tinkerer and in inventing kind of different uh, technologies to do with fishing and also to do with shooting as well and you know it kind of allows us to kind of trace the developments of different things over the history of the estate but also kind of attaching a person to each one of these things and kind of gives us nearly a more personal view of the, the history of the estate through the different members of the family. Yeah, because when you drive past it and you look up at this building, it's mm -hmm. in some way you could say it's very sterile. Yes. But yeah. once you come inside the doors, mm -hmm. it ceases to be that. I've come down now from the main building and down at the church. One of the questions I want to put to you first of all is the construction of the buildings mm -hmm. around here. We're in the heartland of Connemara Marble and there's yes. no scarcity of stone. It, locally was all the most the construction from local stone some of it was and uh, the, the castle the abbey building itself the stone for that was imported so the limestone on the front of that was imported from East Galway uh, the limestone from near Bandeslow yeah, yeah that's own country yeah. <laughs> whereas the, you'd see also the granite and uh, the cornerstones that was brought from Dorky uh, okay. around Dublin but in the, the the building here in the Gothic church all the, the stone on the exterior here is mainly local stone again some imported uh, dorky granite as well whereas in the interior um, it's all cayenne sandstone from the north of France that was brought in specifically to contrast with the, the kind of the darker greys of the exterior and also because it's a really fabulous stone for carving it really takes detail very well um, so between that and having a lovely contrast as well also the, the Connemara marble is used inside in the Gothic church here as well but Mitchell also made a point of using the other, uh, the other three Irish marbles as well. There's the, the red sandstone marble from Cork, there's the black Kilkenny marble, and there's a smoky grey marble as well from around Armagh, and all of them are used in the columns that run and the, the inside of the Gothic church. Right. Uh, One of the interesting yeah. features as well I noticed, Tim, is when you walk around the church, there are windows down into the basement. Yes. And there's yeah. no glass in them. No, no. There was originally a crypt here underneath the church okay. uh, when it was built. It actually had a very unique feature uh, directly in front, uh, front of the altar there was originally a place where the floorboards would lift up and there would be a place where coffins could be lowered directly down through the floor into the into the crypts of the church here. Now for a while some of the, the mother abbesses of the community here had been buried in the crypts but eventually the decision was taken to move them into the graveyard with the rest of the sisters as well and just as you can see in some of the places as you're going around some of the openings are quite quite large and it was just decided to you know as a, a kind of to, to give a bit more more dignity to the, to the sisters there with the estate being opened up to the public to allow them to be interred in, in the graveyard here as well. The crypt itself is no longer in use. Um, 
uh, it had originally been built here uh, from our, since it was conceived from the start as a memorial chapel having crypts underneath this was kind of part of the original construction and Margaret Henry herself Mitchell's wife would have laid in the crypts here underneath the church uh, from, uh, from when it would have been constructed and no windows is standard then is it or is it been, there's kind of a drainage aspect incorporated right. into it as well ventilation was the main issue to have air flowing through yeah. all the time as well and even within the, the crypt itself um, all the, the coffins that would have been there were placed uh, in niches that were raised up above the floor level right. of the thing itself so any moisture that kind of would have maybe flowed in before it eventually drained out wouldn't have been affecting the, the coffins themselves they or would have been left up on very the construction of the building no no yeah. it wouldn't have either so there's a mausoleum a little bit further down yes yeah so that is where Mitchell and Margaret Henry at present are lying so uh, funnily enough the mausoleum there was actually constructed before the church here it was built as a place where Margaret Henry was to lie in rest before the church here was completed and she was then moved there as well right. um, she was later moved there herself and Mitchell when the, the nuns arrived here in Kylemore the church she was consecrated as a Catholic church and as a mark of respect for Mitchell and Margaret who wouldn't have been of the Catholic faith they were moved to the mausoleum here on the estate uh, where they're now lying there together as well well it's been fascinating it's yes. really nice chatting with and great learning the, the bit about here and again it's an indication that if anyone is coming onto the estate as a visitor you guys are so well versed in the whole history we, of we try our best you're doing a good job <laughs> thanks very much cheers thank you the wall garden at Canmore uh, Abbey it's somewhere you cannot avoid and Anja Golke is the head gardener Anja is here with me Anja thanks first of all for, for giving me a few minutes I know You're time right is him, precious yes, no beautiful beautiful wall garden we are in the middle of mountains we're in the middle of bad land how was this reclaimed do you know so as far as we know the former owner Mitchell Henry who built the castle at the same time as the garden uh, he put a lot of manpower really in this place so as we know it was bogland yes. cultivated by the locals uh, we have old black and white images from the 19th century where it was bare land there was nothing here except a few tenant houses so he obviously did a lot of drainage yes. of the whole land he used the topography of the whole garden it was kind of sloped to the center eye which was ideal to catch a lot of sun to drain the water away so he worked with what he had and obviously put a lot more in so he built the wall which is um, about 800 meters long mm -hmm. he built 21 glass houses mm -hmm. nowhere to be seen uh, in Ireland except probably in the botanic garden mm -hmm. in Dublin so it was a uh, project which was you would think unrealistic but he managed to do it in four years only four years time to manage to build a garden like this and the soil quality here would not have been very good well it was bog and very acid so what he had was actually a lime kiln just around the corner so yeah. he burned limestone and the lime was used to incorporate into the soil to make it more alkaline so then you were able to grow all your crops whatever you know was available what they had on seeds and plants Victorians were called plant hunters they introduced all these varieties which we didn't have here before so our garden is so unique because we only grow these old heritage varieties 99% of all the plants we are growing were introduced before 1901 that was the year Queen Victoria died yeah. for us at the moment especially for me it's quite difficult to get these old varieties as seeds every year we are sowing over 50,000 seeds in our glass house we store a glass house we can't, we can't, because we can't buy these varieties in in the garden centre yeah. yeah. we have to propagate everything on site 
outside. Right. Um, and that's the same way they used to do it 150 years ago. I know when we walk around seaweed at the base plant, so it's a fertilizer. Yes, so we are very lucky. We are only, what, two kilometers away from the Atlantic Ocean, so... Um, my vegetable gardeners, they go maybe once a week, uh, sorry, once a month to the Atlantic shore and collect the fresh seaweed. Seaweed has over 60 trace elements. Okay. So we use it as a fertilizer, as a mulch. We use it against um, different, uh, let's call them predators, like um, the cabbage root fly, for example, and it's breaking down nicely. It's feeding. We incorporate it into the soil. We also get dry seaweed from South Connemara, uh-huh. and you, it's, it's very high concentrated so uh-huh. we only need a small amount it's a perfect uh, feed um, for our annual bedding plants for example as well okay. so we do it as natural as possible we use wool as well okay. as an experiment sheep wool it's yes. you know the price is really low like we use it as a fertilizer we mix it into the soil or put it as a barrier around the plants for slugs as well okay so now in any gardening environment disease can often be a real serious issue are you troubled with that not too much diseases but the weather in general yeah uh, I came about 20 years ago here, and even in these 20 years, the weather changed quite dramatically. So it's more stormy in the winter time, mm-hmm. more wet, not really cold, but the combination of storm and rain, torrential rains for days, is really affecting our choice of plants as well. We, we were able to grow a lot more, for example, pelagoniums outside, okay. which we can't really do anymore. The heat is missing. It's too wet. It's okay. Yesterday, you know, it was a rainy day. Yes. Today, it's a bit sun and so you never know what you get you know every right. year is really different so and so then in the normal course when the garden the house and the gardens are open are there guided tours I know it's a self-guided garden tour but if it is yes um, we used to do it uh, once a day um, yeah. a guided tour um, free guided tour as well a meeting point would be up at the tea house and then I also do special horticulture tours so if you have a horticulture group interested from all over the world mm-hmm. in normal times without mm-hmm. corona mm-hmm. Um, I would give yeah special tours well, and so for that, somebody should get in touch well in exactly. advance, schedule it, yes, and make exactly, plans yeah, and all yeah, the rest. That's the best, yeah. So yeah. hopefully from next year onwards, we are back to normal, let's say. Yeah, yeah. hopefully, <laughs> indeed, indeed. And it is a gardener's paradise. So if you, have gar- if you have people who are very much into the gardens, the staff are not very knowledgeable. I found throughout the whole place that if they are, you ask somebody about a particular plant... Very good, yeah, very yeah, very yeah. Very we are training our students as well. We have different horticulture students, and landscape architecture students, so they stay with us for a couple of months. Okay. Uh, just today we did a plant ID with our herbaceous plants, for example, and then they learn them and then we test them. And so it's, it's a bit a place of uh, education as well, horticulture, mm-hmm. knowledge, science, whatsoever, yeah. So, Angie, I know time is tight, so I don't want to delay, but I do appreciate your taking You're welcome. Time. Thank you yep. very much indeed.